0: Good morning. Just read back rearranged here. If I were to ask you what you thought was the key to a healthy relationship, I bet most of you would say or would include communication. Because without communication, there is no relationship. And this holds true for any relationship, whether it's work, whether it's friends, whether it's marriage. I mean, communication is a healthy dose of speaking and listening. Franklin Roosevelt. Our 32nd president would often get aggravated because of communication. You see, as president, he would have to endure these long lines of people at the White House, and he had to walk down the line, and he had to shake hands and make small talk. And he always complained that no one ever paid attention to what was said. So one day during a reception, he decided to try an experiment. To each person who passed down the line and shook his hand, he leaned in and he whispered, I murdered my grandmother this morning. The guests responded with phrases like, Marvelous! Keep up the good work, Mr. President. We are proud of you. God bless you, sir. And it wasn't until he got toward the end of the line that his words were actually heard. It was when he greeted the ambassador from Bolivia who leaned in and whispered, Well, I'm sure she had it coming, Mr. President. <laughs> See, the thing is, most people like to talk. We have that part down pretty well. It's the listening that we often struggle with. But for you to have a healthy relationship, you must have communication. Now this also holds true with our most important relationship, that being our relationship with God. You see, we were created by God to have a relationship with God. We talk to Him. He talks to us. That's communication. Communication. And I know this seems way too complicated for some people. This idea that I'm supposed to be able to hear what God is saying. That He's supposed to talk to me. I mean, the Bible's full of examples of God speaking to people. He conversed with Adam in the garden. Told Noah to build an ark. Spoke to Moses in a burning bush. Promised Abraham a son. Paul heard his voice on the way to Damascus. But what's the problem today? I mean, does God have laryngitis? And you say, well, I've tried. I've tried. God's never spoken to me. And I think he probably has. Perhaps you just weren't listening. Or maybe you haven't learned to recognize his voice. So today, we are going to learn what Scripture tells us we need to be doing to put ourselves in a position to hear from God. Before we jump into this, though, I want to first begin, I just want to give you a couple reasons why this is so important. First reason it's important to hear from God, it confirms our relationship Confirms our relationship. The Bible tells us in John 8, verse 47, He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Some powerful words right there. You know, if you don't communicate with God, you don't have much of a relationship with Him. You must realize there is a difference between having a relationship with someone and knowing about someone. I mean, I could say to you, I'm friends with Slash. He's the guitarist from the rock band Guns N' Roses. I even dressed up as him for the church youth Halloween party last year. I walk in, the kids are like, who are you? (laughs) Some hobo? I said, I'm Slash. They said, well, who's Smash? I said, Slash. (laughs) But anyways, that's my friend. And then you would say, well, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I'm I'm friends with him. Well, do you spend time together? No. But he's my Facebook friend. And I... uh, I press like on his pictures. (laughs) And I sometimes comment on his page. You say, well, does he like your stuff and does he comment on your stuff? No. Have you ever talked to him? No. Then you would say, well, you don't really have a relationship with him. You're just a fan. And a lot of people are fans of God. But they don't have a relationship with God. They don't spend time together. See, a relationship with God is more than just going to church on Sunday. It's more than just listening to the band for a few songs. And hearing a message. I mean, dare I say this, but I think we put too much of an emphasis on church. Salvation is not belonging to the one true church. It's knowing about the one true Christ. Man, in two hours of your week is not enough time to get to know someone. I'd be upset if my wife only wanted to hang out with me two hours a week. I mean, our relationship could never be all that God intended it to be, because you have to spend time together to really get to know someone. John 10, verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. You don't recognize someone's voice until you truly know that person. I mean, my wife or my kids could call me and I would instantly know it was them. It didn't matter if I had a caller ID. I would recognize their voice because I have a relationship with them. And see, God wants us to recognize His voice in whatever means that He's using to speak to you. And to do this, you must spend time Together. You must be in relationship with Him. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. It confirms our relationship. Second reason it's important to hear from God protects and guides us. Protects and guides us. Proverbs 3, verse 6. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. You know, I couldn't even guess the number of times that I've changed my mind or I've failed to do something because I felt a nudge from God saying no. or Stop. Or don't. You know, something that I thought the time seemed like a great decision. Maybe after I spent time praying about it, there was just some uneasiness that I felt about it. And I had to take that as my answer. I mean, how many times have you made a decision in your life and that decision ended up being a very bad decision? The job you quit, the job you took, the move you made the relationship that you found yourself in. Did you pray about it first before you made that decision? Did you actually lay it before God to see if that was the best thing for your future? You see, life is a never-ending series of choices. Man, we need to know, are we making the right decisions? Listening to God produces success, not fame, not fortune. That stuff doesn't make you successful in life. Tim Tebow Most people's heard of him. A young man who has faced numerous ridicule from our society for being a Christian. He says, Life is measured by the lives you change, not the money that you make. I love that. You see, success is being all that God created you to be, it's fulfillment, it's meaning, it's purpose. Psalm 32, verse 8, God says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Pathway. You know, everybody's got different pathways. My pathway is different than your pathway. And the reason that we often get in trouble in life is that we, we start to follow someone else's pathway. Let me tell you, the most important factor in your pathway, it's not your background. It's not your race. It's not your bank account. It's definitely not other people's opinion. The most important factor in your pathway, in your future, is hearing from God. It's being able to listen to what God is telling you to do. It's what Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So hearing from God confirms your relationship and it protects and guides you. So now we know why it's important to hear from God. What do we need to do to receive this guidance? I mean, how do we go about listening to God? How do we learn to recognize God's voice? I think the model for hearing the voice of God is found in an often passed over book near the end of the Old Testament. It's called the Book of Habakkuk. You see, Habakkuk was a prophet. And this book is the oracle which he received. Oracle just means vision that he received. Much like the book of Revelation. Think about that. The last book of the Bible. It was a vision that the apostle John received. So this is the same thing here. And in the book of Habakkuk, in chapter 1... Habakkuk is asking God some very specific questions, much like we have to do at times. And he's in prayer, and he's crying out to God. He wants answers, and he desperately needs to hear from God. And in chapter 2, he does a few things that puts him in a position to hear from God. So I'm going to read Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give this complaint. So in that scripture, in that one verse, are four things that Habakkuk did to hear the voice of God. And the first thing Habakkuk does, and the first thing we must do, is withdraw. Withdraw. He says, I will stand at my watch. Meaning, I will put myself in a position to hear from God. You see, in ancient times, watchmen were positioned on the walls of a city to look for any signs of impending danger. They were watching out. A watchman would go to a high place on a castle or in a tower because that would put him in the best position to see what was coming. He would be alone so he could focus. There couldn't be any distractions. This was too important. And likewise, Isaiah 21, verse 6 tells us, Go set yourself as a watchman. Let him declare what he sees. You see, in this same manner, we have to withdraw. We have to get alone in a position to be able to discern what's coming in readiness to be able to hear the voice of God. You can't hear God's voice if you're not in the position to hear. It's not going to happen. You can't listen if you're always just surrounded by noise. Everything's just going. You have to get alone and you need to do it in a quiet place. The Bible tells us Luke 5:16 that Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. And you've got to remove every distraction. You can stop creeping on everyone's Facebook page for a minute. The duck face selfies can wait. Shut the phone down. Shut the TV off. This is God time. This is relationship time. There is nothing, nothing more important than this time. If you're struggling with hearing, it's usually your fault. So a man says to his doctor, says, Doc, I can't communicate with my wife. I think she's going deaf. Doctor says, well, here's something you can try on her. This will test her hearing. Stand some distance away from her and ask her a question. If she doesn't answer, move a little closer and ask again. Again. You keep repeating this until she answers. Then you'll be able to tell just how hard of hearing she really is. So the man goes home, walks in the door, says, Honey, what's for dinner? He doesn't hear an answer. So he moves closer to her. Honey, what's for dinner? Still no answer. He repeats this several times until he's standing just a few feet away from her. Finally, she answers, For the eleventh time, I said we're having meatloaf! (laughs) See, when you're not hearing from God, it's usually not God's fault. Listening requires a choice of where you place your attention. You can't listen to two radio stations at the same time. To tune into God, you've got to put away anything that's going to divide your attention. You must put yourself in a position to hear from God. You withdraw. Second thing Habakkuk does, and we must do, is wait We wait. He says, And station myself on the ramparts. What does that mean? Station myself. It means you don't move. You be still. You calm down. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still. Know that I am God. Man, you got to calm the thoughts. You calm the emotions down. You just wait. You relax your body a little bit. Sit in silence. Psalm 62, verse 5 My soul waits in silence for God. You know, until you learn to wait and be comfortable with silence, you are probably always going to struggle with hearing the voice of God. The key is to be comfortable. I mean, I'm not comfortable kneeling in prayer. I'm not comfortable kneeling. It hurts. If I'm in pain, I can't hear the voice of God. If I wake up in the morning and my back hurts and I'm all gassy, that's not good for a relationship. Right, Jason? You see, I pray in the mornings, but I don't listen very well in the mornings. I don't. I praise God in the mornings. I pray for my family. I pray for the church prayer requests. But I don't have time in the morning to listen well. I'm too rushed. Work's coming. Kids are needing up and fed and sent to school and everybody's fighting. It's hectic. I don't want to be rushed if I'm listening to God. Personally, I listen better on my deck. I listen better on my porch swing. Because it's in those moments that I can honestly just be still. I can just be still and I can relax and I'm not being rushed. Because you don't want to force this. This stuff's way too important. Man, we need this communication. We need guidance. Our well-being depends on this. God, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? God, where should I go to school? Should I take this job or is there something better on the horizon for me? Should I marry this person? God, what am I going to do about my kids and decisions that they're making? We need to hear from God. Big decisions take big prayers. But they also take patience. Because some answers take a while to come. See, God doesn't always just yell at us. We wish He did, but He doesn't. Sometimes He whispers something to us, sometimes He speaks in mental pictures. Maybe He puts a visual in your mind. Maybe He lays a desire upon your heart. See, there's times I may feel a nudge about something or a conviction about something. I mean, it honestly takes time to learn to recognize His voice. You withdraw and you wait. The third thing Habakkuk teaches us to do to hear from God is read. Read. Look to see. I will look to see what he will say to me. You see, sometimes you've got to stop waiting for a voice and start looking for a verse. God's will is found in God's Word. God always speaks to us through His Word. Get comfortable. Pray. Listen. Read. And whatever you do, don't neglect the Word of God. The Bible is one way that that God speaks to us personally and powerfully every time we open it. You see, the Holy Spirit has this way of focusing our attention on particular things verses and passages that have special application to our lives. Decisions that we're facing right now. Character goals that maybe we're working on. Questions we have. Pressures that we're experiencing. That's why Jesus says in John 14, verse 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, Will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And by the way, this is how you know if an idea truly came from God. This is how you test what you think you're hearing or you think that you're seeing, or you think that you're being led to do. You test it. So you got to realize our own flesh screams pretty loud at times. Man, especially when we desire something. Especially when we want something. That's what we hear, our voice. You know, I had a good business opportunity some years back. Consisted of uh, purchasing homes through tax sales. A lot of people do this. When a property is so far behind on taxes, you purchase it. You, the owner has the opportunity to pay it or it becomes your possession. Then you're able to sink some money in it, fix it up a little, make a profit off of it. I was looking at it as a great way to uh, make money, set myself up in the long run a little better. Now, the problem, though, was as I was reading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, I was constantly being reminded that Jesus came to help the poor, to save the broken, to watch out for the least of these. And I felt God telling me through His word, I want you to be part of a solution. I don't ever want you to be part of a problem. So in my desire to make money, there was a possibility that I could be hindering or damaging someone's life. Maybe someone that was in a tough position at the moment. Life's been a little hard on them. They was having a tough stretch. And it wasn't worth taking that chance. So I backed out. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, if you're hearing a voice, make sure that it's consistent with the Bible. It's got to line up with the Word. God never violates His own Word. He never violates His own principles. Satan's the father of lies. He's the great deceiver. Christ is the ultimate standard. See, if what you're hearing is going to make you more Christ-like, then you can bet it just came from God. To hear from God, you withdraw, you wait, and you read. Now the last thing that Habakkuk did and what we must do to hear from God is submit. 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 The last line in this scripture says, and what answer I am to give this complaint. This tells us Habakkuk had already decided beforehand that he was going to follow God's direction, whatever it was. You see, listening to God requires a right attitude in our hearts. In order to listen to God, in order to receive His instruction, we must want to do His will, much as Habakkuk did. See, God honors that heart that is fully surrendered to Him. I mean, if we're stubbornly clinging on to things, if we're clinging on to our own desires, we're likely to get some garbled message that we think may be coming from God. And as a result, we are likely to continue pursuing a path that is contrary to the one that God has for our lives. Psalm 40, verse 8, I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. See, to hear God's voice, you need an attitude of submission. It's where you surrender in advance. You say, God, just tell me what the instructions are. I'm going to do it. I just need to hear what you want me to do. See, the problem is we know what we want. We already know. We know what we're longing for. We know what we're desiring. That's what we want to hear. See, we have a way of holding on to things and wanting to do things our way. God says we can't do it my way until you let go of your way. You know, the best story I know of this is the story of Moses and the burning bush. It's when Moses, he's out in the wilderness. He's tending sheep and he sees this Burning bush. God asks Moses one question. Just one question. Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, took a hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Man, is that not the strangest story? So when he lets go of what he's holding on to, it comes alive. But when he reaches out and he grabs it again, it dies. You know, God never does a miracle to show off. He doesn't say, I've just learned this new trick. It's really cool. You're going to dazzle all your friends with it. They're going to love it. He's always trying to teach a lesson. When God asks you a question, He already knows the answer. When God asks you a question, He wants you to know the answer. God knew what was in Moses' hand. He knew a thousand years before Moses was born what was going to be in his hand. When God says, what's in your hand, He's asking you, do you know what you're holding on to? God is saying, whatever you're holding on to, I want you to lay it down. Whatever you're holding on to, I want you to give it to me. Before I can do my will, I need you to submit your will. God says, my plans are bigger than your plans, Moses. If you give me what you're holding on to, I will make it come alive. I'll do a miracle with it if you give it to me. But every time you pick it up and every time you take it back, it's going to die. And it's going to turn into a dirty, old, dead stick. Moses submitted to God. And then God used that same staff to turn the Nile River into blood. God used that same staff to part the Red Sea, to hit a rock at Mara and quench the thirst of a million Jews. And it all started with Moses being willing to surrender being willing to submit, being willing to yield what he had in his hand, what he was holding on to. To say, God, I'm willing to do whatever you're going to ask of me. Some of my closest moments that I've had with God has actually happened in the last few weeks. You see, since the weather has gotten a little bit nicer, I've been able to kind of get away. And something I like to do is go to Anderson and go to Mound State Park. I love getting up on a Saturday morning by myself and just going to Anderson and hiking. I love to put on my headphones. I love to listen to worship music. And just take everything in. The place is beautiful. There's just a closeness when you're in worship and you're enjoying God's creation. And man, I can't help but just throw my hands up at times. I mean, people probably pass me and think I'm nuts. Guys singing, raising his hands, pumping his fist. I don't care what other people think. I think that's one of the biggest things that hinders our relationship is that with God is that we worry too much what other people think. I don't live my life by what society thinks. I live it by what God thinks. So I, talk, I walk and I talk and I worship. And then I just sit down. I sit down and I relax. And then I'll just pray. God, is there anything that you want me to change? Is there things that I'm doing that you want me to do differently? Is there something that you want me to do? Just ask, God, I'll do it. Whatever, whatever it costs, whatever it takes to do it. You're the creator. I'm the created. It's about you, God, not me. Then I'll read the Bible. And I'll just listen. And there's like this amazing, unbelievable feeling when you're just in the presence of God. Just you and God at that moment. I wrote half of this teaching over there. Just walking. Listening. Worshipping. But you know the thing that I felt above everything else. The thing that I felt God telling me more than anything else was this overwhelming feeling of God saying, I'm proud of you. And I enjoy spending this time together. Just us. You see, in all of our days that are full of crazy work hours, crazy amounts of time that we'll sit and watch TV, we'll play on Facebook and other social media stuff, our nights full of running our kids to sports activities and school activities, we often neglect communication with our most important relationship that we have. See, for you to listen to God, you must spend time with Him. You withdraw. You wait. You read. And you submit. That, my friends, is how you hear from God. Let's stand for closing prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, forgive us for uh, all the times that we put so many other things ahead of you and before you. God, forgive us for the distractions and all the noises and all the voices that we've listened to instead of you. God, help us to do as Habakkuk did. Help us to withdraw and wait, be still and just listen. God, I ask you, instill in us, each one of us, a hunger to be able to read your word, a desire to seek your answers. and a willingness to submit beforehand whatever you're going to ask us to do, to let go of whatever that thing is that we're holding in our hands. Give it to you, God. Thank you for reminding us today how much our relationship with you really means. And I humbly ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Be a prayer team up here if anybody wants prayer. Know you're always loved in this place. We'll see you next week.